Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name's David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Rob Longo and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome, one and all. Thanks, David. Good to be here, David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to do a long one today, but this scripture reading is just absolutely worth everybody's time to just break it open and see how the Lord wants to speak to you. So we're going to do that here and now today. It's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 11 through 54. And Rob, before we... Uh, Break open the bread of life. Do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to help us to see what Jesus wants to teach us? All right. So long gospel, short prayer. That's it. <laughs> in the name of the Father, Father Son, the Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of the moment, the gift of now. You are the God of now. So as we break open the gospel that we will uh, we will hear this Sunday, please allow us, please help us to be present now as you are always present to us. Help us to be present now so we can hear the words that you want to speak into our hearts and give us the courage to live those out in each and every relationship in our lives. Dear God, please bless all those listening and their families. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And once again, we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 11 through 54. Jesus stood before the governor, Pontius Pilate, who questioned him. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you say so. And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? But he did not answer him one word, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now on the occasion of the feast, the governor was accustomed to release to the crowd one prisoner whom they wished. And at the time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had assembled, Pilate said to them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, or Jesus, called Christ. For he knew that it was out of envy that they had handed him over. While he was still seated on the bench, his wife sent him a message, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. I suffered much in a dream today because of him. The chief priests and elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas, but to destroy Jesus. The governor said to them in reply, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They answered, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. But he said, Why? What evil has he done? They only shouted louder, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he was not succeeding at all, but that a riot was breaking out, instead he took water and washed his hands in the sight of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. Look to it yourselves. And the whole people said in reply, 
his blood be upon us and upon our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but after he had Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus inside the patrium and gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped off his clothes and threw a scarlet military cloak about him. Weaving a crown out of thorns, they placed it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat upon him and took the reed and kept striking him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his cloak, dressed him in his own clothes, and led him off to be crucified. As they were gone out, they met a Cyrian named Simon. This man they had pressed into service to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he had tasted it, he refused to drink. After they had crucified him, they divided his garments by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And they placed over his head the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right, the other on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, You would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself if you are the Son of God and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders mocked him and said, He saved others. He cannot save himself. So he is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The revolutionaries who were crucified with him also kept abusing him in the same way. From noon onward, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, this one is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them rammed to get a sponge. He soaked it in wine and putting it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But the rest said, wait, let us see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked. The rocks were split. Tombs were opened and the bodies of many saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming forth from their tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Then centurion and the men with him, who were keeping watch over Jesus, feared greatly when they saw the earthquake and all that was happening. And they said, truly, this was the Son of God, the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. There's a there's a saying that I'm sure a lot of you heard, what other people say about you is none of your business. <laughs> and I just circled, do you hear, do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? You know, it sounded like Jesus like, well, tell me, what, what, what are they saying about me? Uh, but it's, it's, it's hard on the human level when you know people are talking about you 
not to want to try to find out what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a that's an interesting saying that you know what other people say about you is none of your business. Uh, you know, because if it's good, it might inflate your inflate your pride. If it's uh, if it's not so good, it'll you know it could wound you. So Jesus gives us that example of just being at peace with the audience of one that God the Father loves us. He'll never hurt us, let us down, disappoint us. And the, the people that are chattering in the background in our lives, um, it's not, it's not about them. And it's, and, and they're not the enemy either that, you know, the people that are hurting us, that are talking about us, that, that might have, uh, caused great, great damage in our lives one way or another. They're not the enemy. It's the evil one working through them to, to hurt us. Um, so we just have to remember that even the people that say the most, you know, say the nastiest things about us or to us, uh, they're not the enemy. So many times when we read this story, we read about the, the crowd shouting out they wanted Barar- Barabbas, you know, and, and, and let him be crucified. But, you know, we got to put ourselves in that, that audience because every time we cry out, give me my sin, give me my addiction, you know, crucify Christ, it's really what's happening in our own lives because God wants us to make a choice, him or the sin. And for me, every time I, I fall to sin, you know, be it an addiction to whatever it may be, from everything we struggle with, from alcohol to, to pornography, to uh, jealousy, to gossip, every time we do that, we're crying out right there at the foot of the cross, give me Barabbas, crucify Jesus, because Jesus had to give his life as atonement for my choice, my full conscious choice to sin. And so for me, you know, I don't want to read and say, why would those people have done that? I want to bring it forward to today and say, Lord, help me. I never want to cry out, give me my addiction. Give me my my sin. Give me my unforgiveness. Give me my anger. Because all these things, that's what we're doing. And guess what we're doing? We're crucifying Christ. Not only crucifying, we're saying in our hearts, crucify him. I think one of the things that hits me um, when I, I read this, and more l- later in my life now that I've ref- come to reflect on it, and and also I think that you know that I like I think a lot of other uh, good Christians and good Catholics try to you know try to be a good person, working hard you know on our spiritual life to try to grow and and you know and and get ourselves to where we're in a deeper relationship with God with Christ but at the same time to kind of look at the look at the Jews in this situation and and these are people who are very dedicated and committed to the idea that you know there is one God uh he's not a human person how difficult it must be for a real deep believing Jew who's maybe working on their life. Now, I don't know that the people who brought Jesus to death are necessarily those people, but we do have examples of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea and people who were who were good Jews who followed the law, who were prominent, but also, you know, really were trying to understand Jesus, really trying to come to, come to terms with him, because imagine how difficult it must be after, you know, thousands of years of a tradition that asks you to to love God, you know, not the God of the pagans, not the God of a stone statue or a wooden carving or a golden calf, but the God of the universe, the God who who not only is not 
able to be captured in stone or, or material, but who's, who loves us, who cares about us. I mean, that's part of the Jewish tradition. But then to hear somebody come along and say, I am God, hmm. how d- disorienting that must have been. And yet, at the same time, um, the grace of God is what gives us the ability to be able to do that. But, you know, it says it was out of envy that they had brought Jesus um, before Pilate. Um, so we have to believe that you know if the Holy Spirit works um, through this this through these evils and things that are happening. But the one thing that I keep coming back to is you know there's only two things that Jesus really says here. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the other thing is right at the very beginning where Pilate says, "Are you the King of the Jews?" and he says, "You say so." And that's so intriguing to me. Like I reflect on that frequently. It's like that's really the answer to to, you know, Jesus's identity is who we say that he is. He basically says, you you define who I am. Who I am for you is who you think I am, who you believe I am. Who you, and it really cuts to that point about if you're a good, deeply believing Jew at the time, you have to say for yourself who this man is. Who, is, he God, is he really who he claims he is? Or is he... A pretender? Is he somebody that just is demented? Is he off track? Does he deserve to be crucified? I think that's the dilemma that we that we deal with. But for me, it's really a, a, a crux of our faith because that's really what we're what we're coming up against. Either we believe in this person who's the second person of the Son of God, or we are, as Saint Paul says, we are completely deluded. We're the most foolish of fools um, for believing this. Because it just doesn't make sense if you don't believe it. It's got to, you know, it has to be the truth of faith that brings us to it. Yes, and we always need to probe scriptures, go to Holy Mother Church to see what she teaches to truly know truth and have that light of truth be illuminate that truth in sacred scripture. Because I know when I used to read, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm like, and I heard some of my non-Catholic brothers and sisters say, oh, that means God the Father couldn't look at his son Jesus anymore because he had become sin, so he turned his back on him. And I thought, wait a minute. That doesn't line up with what I've ever been taught. It doesn't make any sense. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at every moment. And he sees me in my sin. He sees every sinner in their sin. Jesus went down to the sinners in in prison. God would never turn his back on anyone. So I didn't understand that. So I said, Lord, why? And then the Lord took me on this journey to find out that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, in Jesus' humanity, he was crying out to the Father to see there's a deeper spiritual meaning. Because Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. In Jewish culture, a rabbi and a teacher would say the first line of a psalm which then would point the audience to that psalm, and then they would understand what was happening. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me is the beginning of Psalm 22. I encourage you, get your Bibles, go to Psalm 22, and read it. And in that psalm, it says, and you did not turn your back on me. That psalm is basically confirming who he was, he was the Christ to all his Jewish listeners. So again, when we're confused, we don't know, we're not sure, 
we can hear the world, what it says. We can hear other people, what they say. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go to sacred scripture. I'm going to go to Holy Mother Church. And I'm going to go to the catechism of the Catholic Church and say, teach me, show me, reveal to me. And it's beautiful when God takes you on that journey because it's like it's an aha moment. Mm-hmm. The light bulb comes on and you go, oh, that makes total sense. Those are the exact words of the beginning of the Psalm 22 and then when you learn about Jewish culture, you know, that's what a rabbi or a teacher would do is quote that first line just like, oh, say, can you see? Well, now we know the song. Well, guess what? The Jewish listeners wouldn't know the psalm. So beautiful, beautiful enlightenment. And, and if you do get a chance to go and read that psalm, you'll also find out that there's a lot besides the fact that Jesus really wasn't a band. I mean, that Jesus realized that. It's And you prayerfully read it, you'll realize that it, it basically is a short outline of the passion that he's going through. You know, a pack of, a pack of evildoers surrounds me. The you dogs know, are around yeah, me. Yeah, they've numbered all my bones. You know, I Not can, a bone is broken yet. Yeah, so, so it, it's not just – I mean, it, it's, it's – you're exactly right, Dave. I mean, that would have – people would have – thought about that and then they would have from their training would have probably gone through psalm 22 and and it's not just a you know a cry out to god but it's also an explanation of what's going on here for for those that would Correct. have the grace to be able to have to have thought about that and you know uh, you, maybe maybe some of the women who were there maybe john you know saint john the apostle who was there had and it helped make sense for them that, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. This is what was foretold in the Psalms. This is what was predicted. And Jesus was telling us he was going to be, you know, he's going to go to Jerusalem to be, you know, to, to, to die. Yeah. And, and so, you know, so now we know it makes sense. Now we know who, the, you know, more deeply who this person is, not just that, you know, who he said he was, but also, oh, all the pieces are starting yeah, to fit it's together. It's his story. Yeah. It's Psalm 22 right. is his story that the Jewish listener would have known. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the other little parts of this that jumped out at me was uh, they only shouted the louder, let him be crucified. So shouted, shouted. And then I just wrote a note, what is my life shouting? And I'm sure you guys have heard people say, I can't hear you. I can hear what you're saying. Your actions are are speaking too loudly, right? right? So these folks were shouting with their mouths, let him be crucified. But every time... I choose unforgiveness every time I choose envy, every time I choose jealousy, every time I choose you know, acting out or anger or, or, or falling into an addiction. Anything that is not um, choosing God is, is shouting the louder, let him be crucified, right? So, um, yeah, the, the one thing I'm having a tough time with, I don't know if anybody uh, can, can empathize or sympathize, is reviewing my day. So by the time I get home at night, we got five kids, put them to bed, then I end up falling asleep without really reflecting on the day. You know, when did I choose Jesus? When did I choose Barabbas? When were my actions shouting, crucify him? When were they, when were they, you know, giving God glory? So um, I just need to pray for the, for the energy, just that 15 minute burst of energy, five minute burst of energy just to, to reflect because you know, our our lives are made up of our choices, and our choices are uh, are are either or. You know, it's uh, you're either with with Jesus or you're choosing Barabbas. Yeah, and don't be too hard on yourself, Rob, because you're in good company. I have a difficult time when I'm done at the end of the night. 
I'm done. I'm like, I want to check out, go to bed, snuggle with my pillow, and and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out. But what the Lord has really taught me, Rob, which may help you, is I try to live moment by moment through my day with a heart of gratitude. Thank God for the gift of the day. Thank God for this opportunity to bless somebody. Thank God for the meal that I got. Thank God and have a grateful heart throughout my whole day. And if something happens, ask God in the moment, what are you trying to teach me? That's what good. You, yeah, what, in the moment, what are you trying to teach me? And then wait and listen. Wait and listen. I mean, this, and again, breaking open sacred scripture, continue to consume the word of God every day. That is, I'm telling you, I can't hear it more loud and clear from the Lord right now in my life, because whatever I input is what I'm going to output. And the the learning lessons that are in here, this is so powerful. Imagine, you can't even fathom being crucified, mocked, jeered, spat upon, falsely accused, surrounded by a pack of dogs, basically, (laughs) by the cohorts, and you're on that cross. And what does Jesus do? Looks down from the cross and says, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That example of not attaching the sin to the person, seeing the sin for what it was, a blindness and a portal of the enemy, but yet seeing the person in his words, I thirst, the person as a child of God, who he thirsts for their salvation, their spiritual eyes to see, their spiritual hearts to respond, And he says, Father, forgive them, because he recognizes they're blinded by the enemy. They're spiritually dead by the enemy. They're crippled by the enemy, by the wounds of the world. And he has this heart of compassion, this heart of mercy that we are called to have. We're called to tap into that source so that it's Christ's mercy, Christ's forgiveness, Christ's compassion flowing through us in all situations. My goodness, that single singular example is the most profound example. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Acknowledge you made a, made an error when you've hit, hurt somebody. Not only apologize, but ask for forgiveness. Whether they choose to forgive or not, that's between them and God. But you've done what you're called to do because in forgiveness, you're set free. Hear me again. In forgiveness, not from your head with words, but from your heart, through the grace of God, you're set free. And that's the key. Because if you hold on to it, then the roots of bitterness form. And then envy, jealousy, pride, anger, all this stuff wells up in you and you become this toxic Radioactive. There's a stench. Like, like, yes. Like last week, right? Yeah, last yeah. week. Roll away the stone. There's going to be a stench. stench so yeah. we put ourselves in these tombs of, of right. jealousy, envy, anger, all these all deadly sins. That's why they call them deadly sins. That's right. right. And uh, and then our life stinks. Our yeah. behavior stinks. Our our thoughts, our words has yeah. a stench to them. Yeah. So that's just one little reflection on the cross. This one that's up here in the beginning, you know, think about this. You know, um, Pilate says, And when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he made no answer. He didn't defend himself. Oh, my goodness. I always want to defend myself, don't I? And then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? And again, Jesus, but he did not answer him one word. So the governor was greatly amazed. You know, 
that gift of discipline that comes only through the grace of God, through your relationship with the Lord, of not defending yourself, allowing God to defend, is absolutely a gift. You got to pray for it. You got to wait on the Lord because you know what? So many times we go to defend ourselves. The next thing you know, we get into this verbal, verbal joust, and that's the enemy. He's got you because then that starts bitterness, then that starts unforgiveness, then that starts this. And then you go and you tell people, can you believe what Billy Sue said? Can you believe what Jim did? Well, now you're now you're working for the enemy. Whereas God wants you to be silent. You know, that doesn't mean speak, not speak truth with love that the Holy Spirit prompts you. But you know what? Don't go out there and try and prove yourself to win the argument. Let the Lord do it in his time, always being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going through a situation right now like that in my life, and it's like so bad. I know what I was, was told. I know the what will justify and, and set me free and vindicate me. And the Lord's like, let it go and let me. And that's tough. But you know what? I'm going to do that through the grace of God because I can't do it myself. I want to go <laughs> poop and tell everyone I'm right. Oh, you know, it's painful. But you know what? Jesus, because of that, you know, Pilate was amazed. People look at our actions and our words. And sometimes the greatest strength is in the silence. David, you mentioned something a little earlier about um, always trying to approach things with a grateful heart. And I think that's really insightful because when you think about it, that's really the truth of our relationship with God. We owe everything that we have and everything that we are to him. And so really the only appropriate way for us to respond is with gratitude. But I think the tough thing that you just hit on here at, in your last comment is that to try to keep that grateful heart and that joyful response to God, even when things get tough, even when people are against you, even when don't you hear how many things they're saying against you and you don't speak out, but just still to continue to have that resilient, you know, resourceful, joyful, grateful heart that, you know, that the Lord has given me this opportunity, and I don't know where it's going, and I don't know the challenge, that I'm, how I'm going to have to deal with this, but I trust you, you know, I trust you. And that's really the story of this whole passion here that Jesus went through. It's about trust. We have to, I think we have to trust, just as God delivered Simon to Jesus to help him carry his cross, that, yes. that God will send the Simons to us in our lives. To help us carry our cross, but they'll also, God will send the messengers. In this case, it was uh, Pilate's wife who sent yeah. a message that said, you know, this was a righteous man. How many times have we ignored the counsel of our wife or another messenger God has sent into our life because our spiritual ears are all clogged up with the noise of the world because we're tuned into the negative news <laughs> that's on TV, the radio, or iPads, or iPhones. And when God sends those messenger, messengers of truth to help set us free, we don't hear the message. So for me, I don't want to miss it. Lord, please give me the eyes to see. Give me the ears to hear. And then, Lord, give me a heart to always respond with love and never react out of my human weakness, out of my human flaws. Father, I owe you everything. I want and desire to do your will and your will only. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great Easter season. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, 
please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him. Thank you.